I want you to hold them up real high. I want you to repeat after me and say, this is God's word. Come on, church, say it like you mean it. This is God's word. Not Pastor Evans' word. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can be who it says I can be. And I will have what it says I can have. Today, I will hear the word of God. I boldly declare that my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are open. And I better not go to sleep. I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that it is a lamp unto our feet. It's a light unto our path. And as we come this morning, I step back, Father, so the Spirit of God can step up and minister to your people. And I thank you in advance that as the word begins to go forth, our minds will be renewed. Our hearts will be changed to be bent in your direction. Our lives, Father, will be better after having heard the word of truth. And I declare in advance that as a result of your word, our lives will experience signs, wonders, and miracles. And we believe that and we receive that in the mighty name of Jesus. Let everybody say amen. Amen, amen. amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Last week, I started a new series entitled New Covenant Living. Everybody say New Covenant Living. And the goal of the series that I started is to help us understand the purpose of the Old Testament and then look at the differences that are in the New Testament and how to apply those to our lives. And so I made a statement on last week. Touch your neighbor and say he's about to review. I made a statement on last week that I want to start out by saying this week, and here's the statement, we should believe the whole Bible, but you and I should live under the new covenant. I'm going to say that again. We should believe the whole Bible. Everybody say the whole Bible. We should believe the whole Bible. We should believe those stories in the Old Testament. We should believe that God was able to part the Red Sea. We should believe that God was able to deliver the children of Israel out of Egypt. Those are things we should believe. But then, and there are principles in the Old Testament that I'm going to talk about that we can still live by. But you and I should live under the new covenant. And so as we journey through the series, it's going to empower us, I believe, with knowledge so that we can live a victorious life in Jesus Christ. One of the things that irritate me the most as a pastor is when I see God's people living below the privileges that God has given them. Amen. So if you have your Bibles, uh, or if you're taking notes, the lesson title is different than what's on the CD. The lesson title is Access Granted access granted and if you have your bibles i want you to find galatians chapter 4 we're going to look in verse 4 we're going to go over to mark chapter 15 verses 37 and then we're going to go over to hebrews chapter 9 verse 11 i know i gave you three verses and i know i'm going to give you two but i'm going to go over them again galatians chapter 4 verse 4 mark chapter 15 verse 37 and then hebrews chapter 9 verse 11 everybody say access granted and the way I came up with that title, we have a gate uh, in, our, uh, in our home area. And 
when you have a code to get in that gate and when you punch in the correct code, what the person says is access granted. In other words, you have access to get in as long as you punch in the right code. Well, there is, everybody say a new covenant. There is a new covenant that has been created through Christ Jesus. And I'm going to show you this morning how you and I have now access to God in, in different ways that we may not have had with, without Jesus Christ. And so last week we started a series out by defining the word covenant. The word covenant is an arrangement or an agreement. It's typically made between one or more people in God. And normally the agreement is voided or uh, is activated and only can be voided through the death of one of the parties. And then the two major covenants that we're going to be talking about in the series, uh, these two major covenants God made with men typically involve the shedding of blood. Now, there are three things about a covenant. Everybody say three things. I'm still reviewing. The three things about a covenant is, first of all, a covenant has a benefactor. That's the person who initiates the covenant. The second thing about a covenant is that it's always going to have beneficiaries. Those are people now who are qualified to receive the benefits from it. And then, of course, number three, you have the benefits, or I'm going to call the blessings, from the covenant. Now, we look uh, at different times in the Bible uh, that God made covenants with men. We looked at the, uh, in the Old Testament, we looked at Adam and Eve and how he made an agreement with them. And the agreement was, hey, as long as you don't eat from this particular tree, everything will be good. Well, in Genesis chapter 9, uh, uh, chapter 3, we noticed that, you know, they disobeyed God. We also looked at the covenant that God made with Noah. We know that, you know, Noah was the guy that built the big boat and uh, it had never rained before. He obeyed God and uh, started building this boat. And so God made a covenant with him. And in Genesis chapter 9, verse 9, I'm just going to read this one. It says, and I will establish my covenant with you. He's talking about Noah. Neither shall all flesh be cut off anymore by the waters of a flood. Neither shall there be any more be a flood to destroy the earth. And God said, everybody saying God said. And God said, this is the token. This is the sign of the covenant which I will make between you and me and every living creature that is with you for perpetual generations, which includes us. He says, I will set my bow in the cloud and it shall be for a token of a covenant between me and the earth. And it shall come to pass when I bring a cloud over the earth, that bow shall be seen in the cloud. In other words, this covenant that God made with Noah, this covenant included him saying, you know what? The earth had been destroyed by water. So he says, I'm not going to do that no more. And as a sign or proof that I'm not going to ever do that again, he says, I'm going to put a rainbow in the clouds. And so when you and I see a rainbow, that is really just God showing, watch this now, that he is still abiding by the covenant that he made with Noah. Can I get an amen? So our God is a covenant-keeping God. And then finally, we looked at the covenant that God made with Moses. And the Old Testament calls it the law of Moses. And this law covered everything. I mean, it talked about how you need to dress, how you need to eat, how you need to work, what time you could work, what time you couldn't work, you know, how to keep the Sabbath. So it had a lot of rules in there. And the law of Moses was really designed to help men see that they could not keep the rules that God had set in place. It was designed to show them that they needed a savior. 
Amen. And so we saw last week that Jesus came and he fulfilled the law or the requirements for sin and salvation that God had set. And so we read Galatians chapter 4. It says, but when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son made, watch this, under the, made of a woman, made under the law to redeem them that were under the law. So Jesus came. He removed us from that old covenant. Everybody say old covenant. And then through his death and resurrection, he created a new covenant. Now, when Jesus came and he fulfilled the law for us, when he died, his last words were, it is finished. In other words, when he was on the cross, he fulfilled everything that the law required. Everything that God needed him to do for, watch this, for sin to be satisfied, Jesus did it. And so once he did it, the scripture says, he said, it is finished. In fact, write down John 19 verse 30 because it says, when Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, he said, it is finished. He bowed his head and he gave up the ghost. Now in Mark chapter 15 verse 37, it's the, the, the account of this same thing. And it says, and Jesus cried with a loud voice. He gave up the ghost. And watch this. And the veil of the temple was rent or torn in two from the bottom up. Now, why am I bringing this up? Because in the Old Testament, everybody say the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, there was a process by which men had to go through for them to, watch this now, access the presence of God. They had to build an ark, I mean, a, 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 a temple and a tabernacle, and there are different layers of that tabernacle. And one of the layers in the tabernacle was called the Holies of Holies. And in that particular place, there was a big veil that was up. Nobody could go beyond that veil except for the high priest. Regular priests would take care, you know, they would bring the animals in, the people would bring them in, they would sacrifice them and get the blood from them and all that. But the regular priest could not go beyond now the, that, that, that veil. And only high priests could go toward that veil. And so we can see here that it mentions that the veil was torn, watch this, from the top to the bottom. So why is this significant? Well, this is significant because, first of all, it was the death of Jesus that caused that veil to be torn. Now, let me tell you what else that's interesting. The veil did not get torn from the bottom up. It got torn from the top down, which helps us know that it was God and his desire to bring the veil down. It was God that tore the veil. You say, well, Pastor, why is that important? Because when Jesus died and this new covenant was created... His blood, watch this now, allow God now to say, you know what? I'm not only going to just let the high priest have access to my presence now. I'm going to give regular people access to my presence. Amen. And so that's why it's so significant. And that's why that tearing of the veil was so important. Now, here's the thing. When that veil was torn by God, who tore it from the top to the bottom, Signifying Jesus' death, it made it possible for everyone who believe in Jesus Christ to be able, watch this, to go boldly to the throne of grace now. Hebrews chapter 9 verse 3, they're going to put it up on the screen. I love this because this is what it says. After, and after the second veil, everybody say the second veil. 
Remember, there were more than one veil. After the second veil, watch this, the tabernacle, which is called the holiest of holies, I just described that for you, which had the golden censer and the ark of the covenant. In other words, this, this, this area had some things that God had told him he wanted in there. Well, let's drop down to verse 6 because it says, Now, when these things were ordained, the priest, watch this now, the regular priest went always into the first tabernacle accomplishing the service of God. Watch verse 7. But unto the second veil, watch this, went the high priest alone once a year, not without blood, which he offered not only for himself, but for the errors of the people. In other words, now, listen, they had to, in the Old Testament, bring some blood. The high priest would go in there, and and, and he would have to wear like a a, a band on his ankle and a... His, his robe that he wore had pomegranate bells on them. And so as long as you heard the jingling, everything was all right. Jingle bell, jingle bell. They knew everything was fine, but if they heard the jingling, stop. That means that that high priest's sin wasn't straight. They couldn't go in there to get him. You can't go into the high, in the, in the holy place. You can't go in there. So they had that rope around it. They would pull him out. So watch this now in Hebrews chapter 9, and I'm gonna, we're going to get into this. Hebrews chapter 9, look in verse 11. Hebrews 9 11, I want us to look at this together. It says, But Christ, being come a high priest of good things to come, watch this, by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not this building. Watch this. Talking about Christ, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but he came in by his own blood. He entered into once, watch this, the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. And then he says, so if the blood of bulls and of goats and the ashes of an heifer and and the sprinkling of the unclean, if that sanctified to the purifying of the flesh, purifying of the flesh, How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God. Listen, how much more shall he purge your conscience from dead works? I don't have to, listen, I don't have to no more be in condemnation about sin that I did. Because when Jesus came with the blood before the Father, the Father said, it is finished. You have access and I will remember the sins no more. So why is this important? It's because Jesus died and when he did, he created this new covenant with God with his own blood. And when he gave, watch this now, when he created this covenant with his blood, it gave you and I access to God's presence. Now Hebrews chapter 9, look in verse 19. It says, having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus... By a new and living way which he has consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say his flesh. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. But was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us now therefore come boldly to the throne of grace so we can obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. What is that saying? That's saying, listen, Jesus was tempted every way you are. 
He went through it without sin. Therefore now come boldly to the throne with his blood. And listen, because you couldn't do it without sin. Because listen, you don't have to now. He did it. So now I'm going in with his merit. And that's why when you pray, we got prayer this week. That's why you have to pray in the name of Jesus. Why? Because now his name, his blood gave us relationship. Now watch this. His name now gives us access. So we now have the ability to go before God because the blood, uh, his blood for our sins have already been taken care of. And that's why prayer is a privilege. Everybody say prayer is a privilege. Listen, this week, be focused during your time of prayer and fasting. Stop focusing on how much time you got left so you can eat. I love Landon. Landon was fasting this week. Landon was fasting uh, time on his electronic equipment. So Friday comes along because Friday was the day he, was, he, was, he ended his fast. The first thing he asked me when we get in the car, Daddy, when does the fast end? I said, well, tell me what you're fasting, son. So he tells me, he says, so can I end it now? I said, well, well uh, uh, Landon, have you prayed today? Because prayer or fasting without prayer is just dieting. I'm going to say that again because I think that's revelation. <laughs> fasting without prayer is just dieting. So I said, Landon, have you prayed today? He says, well, yes. I said, no, no, no. Don't include the prayer that me and you prayed on the way to school. Don't include that one. That's me and you praying. I'm saying, did you pray on your own? Well, no, I haven't. He said, well, what do I pray about? I said, well, you just pray about whatever you want. I mean, he said this quick, quick prayer. Now, here's my purpose. Landon, he said, so can, we, can I end it now? I said, well, Landon, you might as well end it because you're more focused on being able to play on your electronics than the purpose of you fasting anyway. So go ahead and have yourself a ball. Well, this week, don't let the growling of your stomach don't let the clock and how much time you have left. Oh, I got, I can see some of y'all now at 11.59. Stand up on Thursday, waiting for it to turn to midnight before you. Watch this. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 18 says, for through him, talking about Christ, we both have access by one spirit unto the Father. And here's the thing. Jesus took advantage of this access with God through prayer. You do too. If, you know, my wife said this this morning. I thought it was great. She said, if Jesus had to pray, we're going to have to pray. Everybody say, if Jesus had to pray, I have to pray. Amen. Jesus prayed before he made major decisions. If you go and read right before he uh, 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 picked his disciples, he prayed. So before you make major decisions this year, make sure you have spent some time with the Father to know what he would have you to do. Jesus prayed when he was going through hard times. How many have been through hard times before? Let me see your hand. Listen, I know people who cry more than they do pray when they're going through hard times. I mean, crying is good, but listen, crying is only going to get you so far. You, you need to cry and pray. 
David said, listen, in the evening and in the morning and noon will I pray and cry aloud and he will hear my voice. You need to combine your crying and your praying. Amen. Jesus prayed when he was going through hard times. When he was going through, when he was at the Garden of Gethsemane, the Bible says he was sweating like, almost like blood. The Bible says, he said, oh Lord, can this cup be passed away from me? And see, some of you all are going to have to make some tough decisions for your life. And what's interesting is, you know what decision you need to make, you just don't have the strength to make it. And I'm saying to you, the way you get the strength is through prayer. That's what Jesus got history. When he started out praying, he said, Lord, listen, is there any other way this thing can move away from me? I need you to do that. And finally, after spending some time in prayer, he says, you know what, Lord, not my will, but thy will be done. Jesus prayed when he was going through hard times. Jesus also prayed, listen, he also prayed and interceded for others. Even when he was getting ready to die on the cross, he says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And during this time of prayer and fasting, don't just pray about your stuff. Find somebody and pray for their stuff. Amen. So the blood of Jesus, watch this, took care of our sins so that we could have a relationship with God. 1 John chapter 1, 1 John 1, and we're going to look in verse 5. Uh, yeah, 1 John 1. Chapter 1. We're going to close right here. First John 1. It says, This is the message which we have heard of him, and we declare to you, that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship, say fellowship. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, what happens? We lie and do not the truth. Verse 7. But if we walk in the light... What does that mean? As he is in the light, here's what happens when you and I are walking in the light, which means walking in the word. We have fellowship with who? One another and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. Look in verse 8. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to what? Forgive us our sins and to what? Cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Verse 10 says, if we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Verse 2 of the next chapter, I like what it says. My little children, these things I write unto you that you sin not. Do you know it's possible not to sin? Oh, why I got quiet in here, didn't I? Let me say it on this side over here. Do you know it's possible to not sin? Now, I know some of you all may not have seen that possibility yet. But it's possible. Touch your neighbor and say, it's possible. It is possible to go a whole day without sinning. Now, you might stay in the whole bed and sleep all day, but it's possible. He said, my little children, these things I ran to you that you sin not. And he says, and if any man sin, he didn't say when men sin. He says, if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, now recently, uh, I had to work with somebody. I was working with somebody in a situation. They were going through a hard time and going through a difficult time. And uh, they, woke up that mo- they woke up one morning and their car was gone. Well, they didn't know that was going to happen. And so they called me and, and uh, this is somebody that... Uh, has access to me. You know, there are different levels of access. And, uh, you know, appreciate the access that you have. Amen, amen. I have my pastor's cell phone number. And, I look, it is a privilege, I feel, for me to have his cell phone number. So this particular person reached out to me. And, and so they were telling me about what was going on. And when they were talking to me, I realized that they had not been a good steward over the money 
that God had blessed them with. They had not really managed it right and they had not done right with it. And I said, wait a minute. I said, here's the deal. Before we can ask God for his help, we need to confess this as sin to him. You say, well, what difference does it make? Remember, the blood of Jesus produced the relationship that he had with God. But now the name of Jesus allows us to confess our sin. And when we do that, that gives us access, access to stay in fellowship with God. And I said, listen, God sees you messed up, but he wants to know, do you know you messed up? I said, so here's, I gave him, I gave him some steps. I said, step number one, what you're going to do is that you're going to confess this as sin before God. Because if you don't, what you're saying is, God, I don't see it as wrong. And here's the thing. If you don't see it as wrong, that means you're going to do it again. So why would God keep trying to bless you if you're going to squander what he blessed you with? So I said, listen, once you do that, then the scripture now says you can come boldly to the throne of grace and ask for help. So we went through those steps. And before the end of the day, they had a brand new call. Start of the day, didn't have no car. End of the day, had a brand new car because they took advantage of this relationship with God. So here's what we're ending right here because I want to make this very, very applicable to our lives. Uh, John, John chapter 14, verse 12. Let's end here. John 14, 12. I'm good uh, because we must now use his name to confess our sins, which keeps us in fellowship with God. But watch this, though. His name also authorizes us to make kingdom requests. I'm going to say that again. When you and I use the name of Jesus, that's why at the end of your prayer, you say in Jesus' name. Why? Because you're saying Jesus is authorizing what I'm doing. After you confess your sins in Jesus' name, the name of Jesus also allows you, watch this now, to have authorization for kingdom requests. I'm going to read John chapter 14, verse 12. It says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me, this is Jesus talking, the works that I do shall he do, and greater works shall, these, shall he do, because I go to my Father. Watch verse 13. And whatsoever you shall ask, where? How? How? In my name. What did he say he's going to do? He says, I will what? He didn't say, I might do it. He says, I will do it. That the Father may be glorified in the Son. Read verse 14 with me if you would. If you shall ask anything in my name. Watch this. Read it with me. Come on, say it again. I will what? I will do it. And see, next week, because see, I hear some of y'all's mind thinking, well, Pastor, I prayed in the name of Jesus. And it didn't work for me. Next week, I'm going to explain how many times we may use the name of Jesus to ask God for things. And I'm going to explain to you why maybe some of those things didn't happen. So this week, everybody say this week. Pick a place that you need to pray. Pick a place. Don't let the place be on the highway. Don't let it be 635 because it's going to get you out of the spirit in the flesh. Everybody say pick a place. Pick a place. Then you're going to pick a time. Get an appointment with God. Put it in your calendar. Put it on your phone. Listen, Landon, now we got a junior Alexa, and we have programmed her to wake Landon up. Put it in your calendar. What time? Put it in your phone. Here's number three. 
Number three, you're going to do, you're going to act out the word act. A-C-C-T. When you get that place and you get that time, the A stands for acknowledge. You're just going to acknowledge God in your life. God, I, I know you're here. I love you. And just begin to acknowledge. Go back and just begin to acknowledge some things and, and, and acknowledge him being in your life. The scripture says in all your ways acknowledge him and he'll direct your path. Here's number two or the, word, the letter C. You're going to confess your sins. And you know what that is. After you do that, then you're going to cast your cares. It's A-C-C-T. You're going to cast your cares upon the Lord. Don't go to work heavy. Don't wake up heavy. Cast your cares upon him because the Bible says he cares for us. The Bible says he will perfect those things which concern us. The second C, because it's A-C-C-T, after you cast your cares, here's the T, you're going to thank him. Begin to now thank him for answering your prayers because I'm going to show you next week. There is a way to pray and God hears you every single time. There's a way to have confidence with God that you know, that you know, that you know, that you know that not only when you pray, he heard you, but he's not only hearing you, but he's going to do what you said because I'm going to show you next week. You can pray in the name of Jesus and get your prayers answered and you can pray in the name of Jesus and not get your prayers answered. I'm going to show you the difference between you two. Did you get blessed this morning? Did you get blessed? Amen. With every head bowed and every eye closed. Here's my question. If you die today, have you accepted the sacrifice that Jesus...